0: So now, looking at the axis diagram, we're crossing over the axis into the quadrant or the area of aggressive controllers, Um, and these ladies will be more aggressive in how they avoid intimacy. And so uh, the first one we're going to look at is busy girl. What What do you expect to hear from what a busy girl is? All right, good. So the key markers here would be that this uh, girl, this busy girl, would be strong, fairly independent. She would be less of a rescuer, more of an administrator, kind of a take charge, task oriented person, fairly competent, fairly in control. This is your Martha in the Bible versus your Mary in the Bible. Um, this uh, this lady would uh, have a tendency to dislike dependency in general. Um, would probably have somewhat of a, a disdain for neediness. Um, the busy girl is far more apparently in control, although the internal reality is far different. Um, they would expect others to have their lives together just like themselves. In in this uh, little in this busy girl's presence, you know where you stand with her and what you should be doing. This person may tend towards being. Somewhat territorial, possessive, uh, because they have a, a world around them that—that that is their life, the busyness. That's how they—they—they they, they survive. Um, uh, let's see here. Her mind is more about getting things done rather than building relationships. She can be very pleasant, certainly sociable, um, but you just—you know—you know you, know you gotta—you gotta get stuff done. Um, and you can offer her love through services, but not a lot of care through relationships. Um, so she wants people to be on task with her. Like I said, she's probably tending towards being an administrator. Um, she can tend to be on the critical side, um, and can tend to shame people in order to get them to do the things that she wants, uh, cracking the whip, if you will. Not a lot of introspection, probably not a lot of self-awareness, um, can make offhanded remarks, have fairly low uh, engagement with the internal In a world um, that this person has in their presence, you might feel stifled, controlled. You will know there's high expectations. And her trick is this. If she is serving you, you can't ask any more of her. But this is the way that she has created protection from vulnerability. Mm -hmm. So she serves you, and out of that, your response is, well, thanks. I guess I can't ask any more of you. But that's somewhat of a control tactic. Um, So um, this person may turn ugly when they're challenged. Um, Not as much gossip happens here uh, because there may be those offhanded remarks. Um, Let's see. Megan, do you want to jump in at any point?
1: Yeah. uh, I vacillate between this and Tough Girl um, maritally. And so... For me, this looks like me prioritize when Luke comes behind me and tries to give me a kiss and says, hey, I'd love to hear about your day. How are you? And I'm like, i got to get the dishes done. Um, there's a sense that that feels true um, with having a two-year-old, but there's a sense that I totally just avoided connection <coughs> with my husband by prioritizing a task over engaging um, and will be dismissive so by saying by saying it that way rather than saying like, turning around and engaging and maybe saying like, hey, it's super important to me that I finish this, but I hear that connecting is important to you and I want to do that. Let's talk in five minutes. How much different would that feel? That doesn't void intimacy. It just says like, hey, j- in just a minute, rather than just like, nope, this is more important. Um, and the the sense of leadership and, and like getting the job done, um, this woman is, is <coughs> skilled in those ways and yet can just kind of miss people, miss her husband, miss her children, um, and her friends in being task-oriented. This needs to get done rather than engaging.
0: Since you've spoken to the fact that that's part of our deal at times, maritally, you know, the, the impact of living at times with a busy girl is that you really can feel like you're not important, um, that the things, the careers, the dishes, the whatever the thing is, is more important because she's busy and it makes you feel kind of small and insignificant at times. And um, that sucks, makes a man feel like there's no impact, makes a man feel like there's, you know, there's no value, there's no respect, so, but, you know. So, let's check out this clip.
1: I gave him permission to share that, by the way, don't. So, what was V.B. Secret? Nancy
2: Thompson
3: from Phoebe's old massage place Mm -hmm. is getting fired
2: that's it i gave up my disneyland
3: story for that oh, that's right you lose sucker i know i know i know monica you ask the question
2: you gotta get me out of here phoebe these parking shoppers are crazy I we gotta get monica
3: oh, you gotta hold
4: Take Chandler out of the running. Will you be able to focus?
3: What are you gonna do? Right,
4: you just make sure he catches the ball. I'll take care of the rest.
3: Okay.
1: Great.
2: Right. Go. Okay, go, Chandler.
4: Chandler. I Chandler. got it. Oh, come on. Yes, come on. Go, come on. Run. Run. Come on. Look out oh, <laughs> whoa! Whoa! Tackled by a girl. because you don't see that every
3: day, do you? <laughs> whoa! 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 What's with the tackling? Like? What? I think
0: that's good. I just touched him and he went over. So, uh, does that feel familiar? Great. We'll just take your word for it. Yep. All right, so we're moving away from the passive controllers more and more towards the aggressive side. And so the busy girl um, turns into the tough girl the further away you get from that little access point tough girl, um, she's she's tough. Um, And in her worst state, the tough girl would tend towards being emasculating to men. So the tough girl in her worst state would tend towards being one who almost enjoys humiliation towards her husband. Um, The the move would be um, that She may use shame, sarcasm to humiliate, humiliation, demeaning, criticisms, um, other-centered contempt, just very contemptuous. Um, And so this is kind of like the busy girl gone totally mad uh, emotionally, um, taking that anger um, towards the man in her life. So in some ways, it might even seem like she's committed to destroying the men, or making him feel small, making him feel weak, making him feel um, very, um, very just useless. Um, So, her message may be, if you fail me, your penalty will be double whatever you have done to me. So, this individual would be uh, very vengeful, wrathful. Uh, Justice is a very big category for this individual. Um, all of these things are born out of relational hurt, and wounding, um, so this sense of justice for the tough girl would come about very clearly. If you hurt a tough girl, she is going to hurt you back. Um, and uh, it can have a very hard exterior, be intimidating both to men and women. Um, in marriage, you guys, uh, this would just feel like you, you just can't win. Um, and the idea of tenderness here uh, in this and this woman would be um, much more harder to come by. Um, no one is going to call the tough girl cuddly or soft. Um, the anger and the vengeance inside of her really drives her. Those things are born out of a place of hurt and woundedness. Um, and yet she, she really lives out of those things externally, whereas, uh, for instance, the nice girl um, or even the busy girl is going is to hold all that in a lot more. <coughs> um, So the the tough girl can be very driven and successful. So so whereas the little girl on the other side of the axis is just going to have very little passion, the nice girl, very little passion, the tough girl is going to have a ton of passion. Uh, The sex here might be very, very passionate, um, be very seductive possibly, very close in relation to the party girl as well, Um, uh, emotional extremes perhaps. Um, But all of this is a form of aggressive control. Uh, as a way of avoiding intimacy.
1: So I can and have vacillated here at times, and I'll never forget a counselor looking at me and saying, Megan, great, you've, you've learned that you can control. You've learned that you've won, but look how, look how unhappy you are. You're, you're crying, or I wasn't even crying, I was just so angry. And he's, he's like, so you won. You won the fight. You dominated. You, you're on top. What's that like for you? And that's what broke me, and I started weeping. Um, He also continued to say to me, you're not a B-word, which shame kept me believing my identity was I am a B-word. That is who Megan Banner is. That's who Megan Banner will always be. I'm a tough girl. I'm a B-word, and that's who I am. And he said, as long as you believe that lie, and as long as you keep living out of that, your marriage is going to look the way that it looks. And I was like, well, this is just who I am. Um, and I was hiding in that because it felt protective. There was something about the intensity that felt safe. Like, well, if I can just dominate and be in control, then I won't get hurt. When ironically, gosh, I was like <clears throat> just deeply in pain. Um, so that's what a tough girl looks like. We have Thanks
3: for
0: sharing for this. Yeah. Yeah. This is a great flick if you've not seen it. Counselors,
4: counselors, let's be honest here. is more money than these people have ever dreamed of. Oh, see, now that pisses me off. First of all, since the demur, we have more than 400 plaintiffs, and let's be honest, we all know there are more out there. They may not be the most sophisticated people, but they do know how to divide, and $20 million isn't shit when you split it between them. Aaron. Second of all, these people don't (laughs) dream about being rich. They dream about being able to watch their kids swim in a pool without worrying that they'll have to have a hysterectomy at the age of 20, like Rosa Diaz, a client of ours, or have their spine deteriorate like Stan Bloom, another client of ours. So before you come back here with another lame-ass offer, I want you to think real hard about what your spine is worth, Mr. Walker. Or what you might expect someone to pay you for your uterus, Miss Sanchez. Then you take out your calculator and you multiply that number by a hundred. Anything less than that is a waste of our time. By the way, we had that water brought in special for you folks. Came from Well and Hinckley.
0: That's good. <laughs> She's angry. Uh, so <clears throat> there's something about that character that I find really attractive because she just is, like, all out, right, just full of passion, full of life. Um, in college, I had a buddy that referred to that quality as the nasty girl, just like, ah, you know, like, just going to shake stuff up and just make – make stuff crazy and 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 really it is sort of the polar opposite in one way of the little girl and that I was I mean there's there's redemptive parts of you that are very strong in that way that are not just overtly sinful but there's a lot about that personality that I just I, I was attracted to Megan for a lot of the redeemed parts of that and and then <clears throat> When, when we have difficulties, that comes out in difficult ways, of course. Mm-hmm. So um, that's tough, girl. Let's move to the guys. Um, so let me talk just a little bit about the men in general. <clears throat> um, so the men, and this is all kind of, we're deriving this from the scriptures and what we see in Genesis and <laughs> observing men's behaviors we're observing that men tend to either be passive avoiders, they're avoiding intimacy, whereas the women are controlling, uh, just like in in Genesis 3.16, it says that her desire will be for or against her husband. She's in opposition and trying to control the world around her. The men are avoiders. Some avoid with passivity and some avoid with aggression. So um, that's kind of our continuum and see, what both what happens with both the men and the women is that we're both hiding behind fig leaves. As in the Garden of Eden, we are physically, emotionally just hiding ourselves and figuring out ways to distance ourselves um, because the risk of intimacy and being known is too great. So, um, with that, we will get started with the little boy.
1: Um, so, little boy is what you expect. Um, he needs to be rescued and taken care of. Um, Oftentimes when I've counseled men that are little boys, their wife has told me, I feel like his mom. I feel like I am his mother and I have to take care of him. Um, He (coughs) takes no responsibility. Oftentimes, um, even vocationally, he'll either not keep a stable job or be in a job that um, really doesn't have room for movement. He can just kind of hide, show up, get a paycheck, and leave. Um, there's a lack of consistency in his behavior, vacillating from little boy um, over, on the, so again, if those circles touch, sometimes little boy can go to macho boy, and macho boy is abusive in, in ways. And so you can kind of experience the chaos of like, you're this child, and I have to take care of you, and then in a fit of rage is completely out of control. Um, this person often will have a primary, kind of a private um, hobby uh, of sorts, um, that, and it can be something that's good, like theology or hunting or um, I like tinkering in my garage, but it's, an, a, it's something that just completely keeps him at a distance, that keeps him from engaging the world around him. Um, he lives very isolated and solo, will often probably not even engage you um, well or at all, um, his message would be, I'll flatter or manipulate you in order to win your heart or so that you will rescue me and excuse my behavior. So when caught, um, we'll either switch and kind of be angry or just want complete, don't hold me accountable, I'm a little boy, how dare you? Um, and oftentimes the way in a fight or an engagement, um, Uh, this man will, will leave without saying anything, um, (coughs) um, a couple that I'm working with, uh, he will say, I, I just, she told me that I hurt her feelings, and so I got up, and I, I left, and I didn't come back for four hours, um, and that was his way of dealing, and so, but then when I came back, she wasn't mad anymore, so it was like, oh, so that worked for you, um. There's a sense of just not taking any responsibility and not engaging.
0: Yeah, and also just not um, not really naming desires. Um, in some ways, you'll see how this axis makes sense is that um, one side tends to be less engaged with passion and desires, whereas the other one overtly so um, engages those things, but mm-hmm. still both are are not um Not healthy per Mm
1: se. I see a lot of depression um, clinically. I see a lot of depression (laughs) or even um, phobias with this as well. There'll be just a lack, just uh, a soullessness um, to them and the way that they experience the world and the way that they engage other people.
0: Yeah. So it's it's a it's really a desperation Mm -hmm. to to not risk. Mm -hmm. Whereas uh, the next one would be nice boy. There is a tremendous, tremendous insecurity of risk, but not quite a desperation of like, I just am not going to risk in that way. So, um, so now we're going to move left. Oh, we have a clip. Well, it's got to be good. Yes. Alan's <laughs> been waiting for the invite since he got home the wedding. He has.
2: Yeah, she's standing outside he's... by the mailbox every day. Well, that's rough. Yeah. I, uh, I'm not quite sure he ever left Vegas. You know, he really, really
3: needs this. Yeah. What? Sweetie, Papa, you have visitors.
2: Go on slowly. Give me a chance to acclimate.
3: Hey, Alan. Hey, guys. Hey, Phil. Hey, Bud.
5: Yeah, you, uh, you, uh, you want? You guys want to come in? Sure. Yeah, absolutely.
3: Right.
5: Hey, 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 see. Okay. See you on the court in the hat.
3: Pretty cool room, Alan. Oh, thanks, Phil. My dad pays my rent. Alan, what the fuck? We were supposed to delete these. You made a promise.
5: Whoa, whoa, whoa! What the hell? I'm not cool with this at all. You can't have these. Wait
2: a okay. second. Oh, is that
5: Mr. Chow? Yeah. We still keep in touch.
2: Stu. Chow, the guy that kidnapped us? He didn't kidnap us. He kidnapped okay. Black hey, Dog. We'll Remember? It,
3: it was a whole big misunderstanding. He's actually quite charming.
0: We'll turn it off.
1: Sorry, I thought I had found the unedited version. I mean the edited version. Sorry.
0: What happens in this is he is eventually served by his mother some, some dinner, some cookies. But what's, what's, it's an exaggeration, although this is a real uh, scenario. But there's just something about the little boy that um, he needs to be taken care of, and people a- accommodate that. And, and so when we start talking about what his health look like, is there actually needs to be a way that the little boy um, is not taken care of, that the little boy has to be uh, called to account for um, his life and take responsibility and start engaging the world as a man instead of a boy. So we will move on to seductive boy. We are moving left on our axis. Seductive boy. Sounds like he's seductive, right? So the seductive boy likes to have a good time. He's probably the life of the party. He's kind of a mix of the little boy and the macho boy. Um, he's the, the corollary, if you will, to the party girl. Smooth operator, suave, gets himself out of trouble, cocky, arrogant. Uh, probably a lot of salespeople relate like this, um, can be very unpredictable, and this, this actually tends to work for him. That makes him attractive, that makes him kind of unpredictable. Um, he can also be emotionally unpredictable at times because he's um, in kind of that, that realm um, on the axis. Um, so the closer he is to the little boy, the more likely he is to use charm to overcome conflict in his life, and the closer he is to the macho boy, the more likely he is to turn on you with intimidation. Um, he may use money and gifts to get people to like him. He avoids commitment. Um, can be a womanizer, um, relationally in that sense, manipulative. Um, and that doesn't mean that he's um, having uh, relations with the women, but more there's sort of an emotional exchange that can happen that's just sort of... Um, there's, it's something that's filling the void inside of him, that he uses women in that way to accommodate himself. Um, not much depth here. Um, you can chime in anytime you want.
1: There's a there's a way in which the that pull that he has with the seductiveness makes him feel that he's enough. So men struggling with feeling that they're not enough, that they're incompetent, um, and and we've talked about you have vacillated here at times and there was something as Luke said, even with me with tough girl, there's, there's redeemed qualities about each one of these. I was drawn to this part of him. I was drawn in when we met and thought, wow, he's so fun. I'm drawn in, but it, it drew me in. And then with the hard parts were, um, I don't really feel like I know you, but I, I, that was fun. Um, and so there's sort of a, a confusion experience, but it it feel there, that behavior isn't actually for you, uh, it's smooth operator. It, but his that funness isn't actually for care of you. It's it's to make him feel like he's enough and that mm-hmm. he's wanted and desired, which fills that void of um, experiencing incompetency yeah. and inferiority.
0: The the fact that she named that shows that she's not a, a nice girl or a little girl. Naming that I am this uh, you see you see how that works do you okay, so that we're going to talk about that dynamic tomorrow in the quadrants. Um, we'll talk about that, but this is a fascinating thing um I don't know how this happened. I was uh, my senior year of college, and in in the midst of working a room, I, I just go into the room and i'm like glad handing everybody, getting my touches, and just I realized in the midst of that, that I was stealing something from each person to fill something empty inside of myself. I was kind of like a, a player without like it even being sexual. It was just, I realized like I'm using people and it, it was just, God gave me that. Um, and it helped to start crack some of that ego. So let's check out the clip.
3: No, she, hasn't. Yes, she has. Yes, she has. not lost that look. She's lost it, Matt. Come on. I hate it when she does that.
5: Excuse me, miss. Hey, hey, hey. Don't worry, I'll take care of this.
3: You never close your eyes anymore when I kiss your lips. There's no tenderness like before in your fingertips. You're trying hard not to show it, baby, but but baby!
0: I think we can kind of <clears throat> we've I've, you've probably seen that before. Um, wh-
4: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so I think I think you get the picture with that. Um, yeah. <coughs> All right, we're going to move towards. <laughs> Um, we're going to talk about the nice boy, the nice boy, uh, he sounds nice, um, he is nice in the same way that the nice girl is nice, um, this is a passive avoider, someone who's faithful, uh, shallow, tends tend to be shallow, bland, stable, dull, uh, very nice, very supportive, doesn't get angry, uh, doesn't let a lot of emotion dictate, um uh, you know, things. There's a lot of internal control there. He could be called a very shallow person, avoids conflict, wants to be liked, avoids decision-making. He might just tell you everything's fine. Marriage is fine. Life's fine. Work's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's everything's nice. Uh, What ultimately is going on here, though, is that this guy doesn't represent himself very much. It's just too risky. Um, He might live in the shadows of the world around him, Uh, doesn't want to impose on others, doesn't want to make decisions, Uh, If you ask him about vacations and restaurants, I mean, it's just, you're you're not, it's going to be hard to get, you know, real conviction out of the person. Um, Has trouble saying no to people. Uh, Somebody I know who is a nice boy, um, lovable, love, love this guy, love this guy. He would give me the shirt off of his back, Uh, absolutely. Um, (laughs) He told me uh, that in order to not be asked to help, with a particular thing that people would expect him to help with, he was going to plan a trip out of town. The, the commitment to avoid conflict is huge. And the, the commitment to avoid uh, disruption, just the idea of disruption. This is a man who lives with control in his interior world and just needs that in order to survive. Um, they probably tend to avoid desire itself. Desire is actually vulnerable because when you name a desire, you have more, more opportunity to be hurt, yes? Um, so this person wants to be liked, uh, has a trouble saying no, people pleaser, uh, tends to feel inadequate, incompetent, insecure, a lot of self-contempt, probably a lot of bitterness uh, because where is that stuff going? It's not going anywhere. It's, it's living inside. Um, lives a life of facades. Um, you might want to shake them and just know that they're alive. Uh, has s- uh, trouble standing up to people. Um, let's see here. Uh, the,
1: goal is, the goal is to live hassle-free. So oftentimes this marriage, this, this man will say, why would I, why would we talk about hard things when everything's fine? What's the point? What's the point of us talking about stuff when it's just going to be hard so there's passionlessness. There's a lack of, of desire for more. There's really a lack of desire for what God intended. But then there's also a passivity and just, let's just, let's just not talk about it. Let's just say everything's fine. It's hassle-free. <coughs> everything's working. Um, it, it, it's hard. Dan Allender makes a pretty bold statement. He said, this is every man in your church. And Dan makes really bold statements about stuff all the time. And sometimes he's kind of silly about it. But there was just a sense that this is, so we were talking about the good and nice girl being kind of your stereotypical biblical woman. This is kind of your stereotypical biblical man. He's willing to help. He's kind. He's, you no, know, he's not kind. He's nice. But in order to avoid any type of conversation or growth or intimacy, he's just, he's just not going to play.
0: Yeah. So definitely uh, high on the side of peacekeeping versus peacemaking. Um you know, you being married to this man, you'd be thankful for so much that this man would do for you, yet it would just, like, it's not enough. There's just something missing. Um, yeah, so let's check out the movie club. Jinxie, say hello
2: to Greg. Hi, Jinx. Wave to Greg. Hello, Jinx. Oh boy. That took me another week. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. Ma'am, I didn't know you had a cat.
4: Yeah, I left him here when I moved to Chicago. Oh. Your daddy's found his new best friend. <laughs> really? You oh. won't
2: believe it. He even taught him to use the body. Did? That's yeah, that's kind of weird, isn't it? <laughs> What's well, so weird about it? Now we don't have to smell kitty litter all the time. That's right. Right, Jixi? Mm-hmm. That's incredible. So how did you teach the cat to use the toilet? Well, that was easy, Greg. I just designed a, a litter box to put inside the toilet, and then once he got used to it, I mm-hmm. took it away. Oh, that's yeah, makes sense.
1: But I don't think he likes it very
4: much. I mean, every chance he gets, he tries to dick, squat, and bury. I had to move all my potted plants off the floor.
2: Plus, you got another guy around the house to leave the seat up. Hmm. <laughs> he can't lift the seat, Greg. He lacks the strength in the opposable thumbs. Yeah. Ah, right. Opposable. Didn't think about that. Jake's is strictly a house cat. You can't let him outside because he also lacks mm-hmm. outdoor survival skills. It's just okay. one of those things, isn't it, sweetheart? I don't
5: one think Greg will be playing with Jinxie too much. He hates cats.
2: Pam, <laughs> I don't hate cats. I don't. I don't hate cats. I just happen to be more of a dog lover. That's yeah, all. yeah. Well, it's okay if you hate cats, Greg. No, I don't. I don't hate cats at all. That's okay. Just be honest about it. There's some things I hate. I I'm being honest, really. Like what? let the kids freshen up, huh? Great. That's good. You come with me.
3: We'll
0: get you something to wear from Jack. Yeah, uh, Ben Stiller in this movie, he lives out of this so well, and you see throughout that he just will not own his stuff. He will not show up and just name it with conviction, have have any real sense of, like, strength in that way. Um, So this looks really godly on the outside. Um, It can be very Uh, service-oriented, very kind, in in, in legitimate kind ways. It it can look really good, but there's there's still something that's just not quite right. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, We'll move on to distant boy. Um, So distant boy is all about efficiency and goal-orientedness. A couple quotes that I have um, from notes from this is... um, I'm here on the weekends and we can get along for a couple days and any longer tension builds up. So our marriage is great as long as we just don't really, we're not really around one another. Um, Also, I've had, worked with a man who just said, I'm just so glad I don't have a needy wife so that I can just kind of do my own thing. Um, And about five sessions in, I said, "Um, I wonder how much of that plays in, does your wife have permission to be needy? Is there room for her? Um, Because you're... You're always distant, whether you're not physically present or rather lacking emotional presence. Um, This man's wife will feel uh, a lot of pressure to live up to expectation. There'll be a sense of, I leave you to the house because you can handle it. I leave you to these things, and you need to live up to this. This man will often be uh, very competent, very high level in his job, um, a leader, um, very efficient, um, and controlled, but he uses the distance to uh, to control and to keep everything at bay. Relationships are more looked at as ways of efficiency. So this man may have friends, but they're, uh, they're more hobby-related. He'll go out and spend time with someone, but it's with a purpose. Hey, I need to uh, do this activity. Do you want to come help me? With no intention of actually having any real conversations or getting to know one another. There's just a sense of, this is efficiency, this makes sense. Um, when engaged by a woman who's um, growing and changing, there'll be a woman who hopefully will represent herself and say, hey, I desire more from you. I want to I know you more. I want to get to know you more. And the, the man's response will often sound something like, so you're unhappy? okay get your calendar out. We'll have two, let's schedule some lunches this week. It's very, it's very goal oriented. It is not a pause to say, gosh, I hate to hear that you're so lonely. And I hate that I've missed your heart. Can we find some time this week to get together? That would be intimacy. That would be engaging. But instead it's, I hear a problem and I'm going to fix it. Um, women and people in general aren't meant to be fixed. They're meant to be engaged. Um, if there's one thing that I feel like I walked away from graduate school with was people aren't meant to be fixed. They're meant to be engaged. And so I think as we kind of follow through that, there's that's this. Um, they're kind of missing it. Uh, distant boy might also say something like, quit digging up the past. Let's move on to more important things. What's the point in talking about this? It's all about efficiency. So distant boy and nice boy or good boy are, kind of have, again, again, they're next to each other for a reason. You can often kind of vacillate within two to three that are kind of close to each other. Um, But I've also had um, some say, I don't want to waste my time with seeing you in counseling. Um, Just tell me what the problem is, and we'll fix it. Um, So those are some things that um, I've heard distant boys say.
0: Yeah, and the distant boy would correlate to the busy girl. Mm -hmm. Do you see how that makes sense? Mm -hmm. Let's do the video.
5: last year i flew 350,000 miles all the things you probably hate about traveling are warm reminders that i am home
2: welcome back mr bingham i am a
5: passenger i work for a company that lends me out to cowards that don't have the courage to sack their own employees and for good reason who are you man because people do crazy stuff when they get fired i'm gonna need your key card we received a dynamite young woman from cornell natalie keener I want you to show her the ropes. I'm not a tour guide. Show her the magic. Take her through the paces. What? Follow me. You never get behind I old people. Their bodies are littered with hidden metal here. Bingo. Asians. They pack light, travel efficiently, and they got a thing for slip on shoes, god level. That's racist. I'm like my mother. I stereotype. It's faster.
4: You gotta fill me in on the miles thing. What is that about?
5: I plan on grabbing as many miles as I can. What's your tall? Is it this big? Uh, this big? I don't want to brag this is pretty sexy we're two people who get turned on by elite status you can call on that towel rack
4: shame we didn't make it to the closet
5: Mm. we got to do this again
1: what kind of relationship do you have
5: you know that moment when you look into somebody's eyes and you can feel them staring into your soul and the whole world goes quiet yes right well i don't
3: you have set up a way of life that basically makes it impossible for you to have any kind of human connection
5: you're grounded. Everybody's grounded. The us off the road. We're going home. If you think about it, your favorite memories, the most important moments in your life. Were you alone? Life's better with company. Everybody needs a co-pilot. That was a nice touch. Thanks. Up in the air.
1: I'm not really sure how long this whole exercise is supposed to last. No, I don't even think of him that way. He's old.
0: So what what I want you to notice about the the way the axis works for the men is that one side, the passive avoiders, are much more oriented towards maintaining uh, some measure of uh, relational connection, even though it's avoiding true intimacy. Whereas on the other quadrant, uh, you have these aggressive avoiders who are much more committed to impact in the world. This man uh, is very committed to having impact in the world. He, he, he disdains the futility that is part of the fall, and he wants to uh, make a name for himself. And so he is physically distant and certainly emotionally distant as well. So let's move on.
1: Lastly, um, we've got the macho boy. Uh, macho boy kind of correlates with the tough girl um, as far as what if they are to correlate at all. Um, His basic orientation is toward um, being authoritarian and dogmatic. Um, He is a bully, um, would really never be vulnerable. Um, He uses fear, intimidation, and shame to conquer and to ensure that he will not feel incompetent. Um, He tends to be indifferent to feelings, so therefore, uh, we will see some more narcissistic tendencies in here. Um, You can be a narcissist on any of these but this is often where we'll see the full diagnosis played out in full um, with someone that relates like a macho boy Um, there's a sense that you're always just waiting there's like an always bubble like it's always always really hot water but it's just a matter of time before it it jumps and it gets you Um, he can be pleasant and generous um, but tends to make people pay that challenge him or take advantage of him or ask more of him. Uh, the rules don't apply to him, so oftentimes in a relationship, um, I will hear the woman say something like, but he said that I couldn't do that, um, but he's doing that, and there's no category for him to see that. It's just, well, I, w- I win, I dominate, I don't care. Um, this is not a person who will really be grateful or give you positive feedback. Um, I've often heard women say, No news is good news with this husband, um, which is sad because women need words of affirmation and kindness. Um, But then when words are coming, they know that they're about to just get the beat down. Um, It's always kind of negative. Um, There's also a sense in sexuality that... um, Because of the volatility that he brings to the relationship, uh, oftentimes it's challenging for the woman to want to engage in sex, but he demands it, and it better happen right when he says he wants it to happen. So there is a real sense of dominating. This is where uh, we also can see abuse um, play out, is when this is to its extreme uh, kind of in nature.
0: Yeah. um, Additionally, just the word macho, I mean, you think about what that is, is is you know there's a lot of ways that American masculinity is um, you know drive trucks get big biceps um, you know the typical things that you think about macho guys that that works here um, it is a it is a overcompensation of strength for where there's actually insecurity And so the macho boy will use strength, intimidation, all these things, to control uh, or to be aggressive in the way that he avoids true intimacy and engagement. Watch the video.
3: child's body out of a lake for myself oh yeah but what do you do
1: around here other than watch tv and waste time on the internet you know what looking at that trash is how you get fulfilled that's fine but i will not compete with it
3: well i sure don't get it from you
1: because you care more about saving for your stupid boat and pleasing yourself than you ever did about me shut up
3: i'm sick of you you disrespectful ungrateful selfish woman how dare you say that to me? You constantly nag me and you drain the life out of me. I'm tired of it. We're heading down to the pizza bar that's to meet good. some
0: friends. You want to come? So that's one of the more extreme visuals of what that marriage would look like. A highly volatile, emotionally uncorked guy living out of uh, unhealthy strength and oppression tendencies. Um, Megan said earlier that I, uh, at times, could be a uh, seductive boy, certainly in college. I think that's my MO. When we first got married, this was me, um, and I, I lived out of a lot of that. Um, I was in a, a pretty difficult place for a lot of reasons, but um, our marriage was falling apart, and it was because of that that guy right there. That was me. Um, so, um, that's me. I, that, is, that is a place that I have have been and spent time, and there's been much wounding in our marriage because of the the machismo in me, and the abuse tendencies, and not tendencies, but the abuse that I subjected Megan to,
1: so. um, I'm grateful to say that we don't experience that anymore, Um, but yeah, that video was actually recommended to me by a counselor that I was seeing at the time that um, we weren't living together in the first year when I left for a little bit to just kind of be okay because that was what our house was like and um yeah it's hard to even hear it because it it feels familiar from eight year eight nine years ago um but it's real um and in the same way I was responsive with Tough Girl and so you can imagine if both parties are participating at such an intense level what that was like yeah um so we're we're can still vacillate in sin in those ways, but it never. Not like it that. It does not look like that. Yeah, ever not anymore. like
0: that. So. so tomorrow, as a teaser, uh, come back. Uh, price of admission is the same as today, um, <laughs> although it's covered. So we'll, we'll refer to these different places as quadrants. And when you have a tough girl uh, married to a macho boy, this quadrant is, was our marriage. And that tends to be a pretty chaotic marriage. If you go to the the diagonal side, the passive controllers like the little girl and the little boy, nice boy with the nice girl, that's a very different quadrant, and we'll talk about that tomorrow. So um, what we'd like to do now is spend a few minutes just kind of engaging with some questions. Um, Those can be written out and passed up, or those can be just popcorned. Um, So yeah, let's just spend some time talking.
1: As you go home, to, if you're kind of – I know this, this was information dense. Um, tomorrow won't be quite as much. Absolutely not. If Not nearly as much. So sorry for the density right now. But if you are wrestling with kind of where you are um, on that, ask your spouse. Say, hey, how do you experience me? Or if you have pockets or parts of your marriage, as we have, that you were in one quadrant and you, you've moved. Um, hey, do you remember that rough time that we have? Where do you think we were then? Um, those are healthy and good conversations that you should and strongly need to be having. Um, and we would at any point be happy to help you navigate what that looks like and kind of work right through here. how to talk through that. Um, so feel free to shoot out any questions or um, do, do you have note cards? Yeah, okay, so if there's note cards on the tables, um, if you want to write them privately and pass them up, that would be fine. Yeah, so
0: what we'll do is maybe a volunteer could collect all the cards in about 90 seconds. So write questions (laughs) if you have questions, 90 seconds, somebody's going to come by and collect them. And until then, and even after then, we can do some popcorn questions, and then we'll try to answer note card questions in a more private fashion. And no questions are okay too. Yep. Uh, Okay. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. So um, this quadrant is one, then two, then three, then four. <laughs> no, I can't. No, I can't. Yeah. I actually read it. That's so for. What you just said, but you can actually
1: spell cat. Yeah. Oh, they Does it really So there's a section for notes that aren't necessarily made in order, but the, on, the, on the axis <coughs> is where we're going to pull from the quadrants because you'll see the different styles of relating and correlation with each other. Does that make
0: sense? Well, let's collect those note cards, if there are note cards, with one of you amazing volunteers who are going to stand up any moment now and collect those note cards. There are those just outside the door on the right hand side, I think. Mm-hmm. Any other questions while we're sitting here just looking at each other? Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. But with that, then a man, which will be a woman's male child, mm-hmm. will someday leave. Her. Mm-hmm. So leaving does not equate when I, when I do that, I think about it. Leaving does not equate to the world of because that was discussed before. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. my 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 reaction is that your question's so good I probably won't answer it according to how good your question is. But I th- yeah, I love you you're you're such, you're such a good thinker, Rick. Um, so this uh, is such a good typical Rick question. Um, so uh, chime in, but um, I'm just thinking, um, yeah, leaving leaving in that sense is launching um, because that's kind of what we're created for. Um, leaving is not always certainly bad. And even in the redeemed sense, after the fall, us leaving, our, ch- our children leaving in that way, we bless that. That's a good thing. You know, her dad handed her off to me. Those are good things. Um, and so that's not a breaking of relationship, um, certainly. Um, I don't know if that's tickling the answer that, I should be, but
1: I I think right because we we talked about how leaving would be painful and how if God ordained it to be happened before the fall. I just want to make sure I'm understanding before the fall. Then then it wasn't intended f- for pain. Am I is that correct? Is that kind of what you're getting at a little bit? That's, that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think something us I, I hope I said was also how conceiving. Pre-fall relationship is just so unfathomable fathomable for us, and so um, there's a there's a term in counseling that we use. It's called parentification. It's often when you know one uh, one parent uh, connects with a child, <coughs> not inappropriately, like sexually necessarily, but just a, um, the 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 child then is raised up to be equal, so to speak, with the parents. Um, and that happens in broken marriages a lot because there's a sense of um, they then build trust with someone else and that kind of a thing. And I, I think there's tension with parentification, obviously, this side of the fall. But before, I almost wonder whether it's, yeah, it's a you want that launching. You want that to raise them up to be adults and feel at peace to go. But I'm just not sure what it would be like to experience that without pain, although yes, it's you're right, it is pre-fall, um, and I, I wonder if just it is helpful to put it in that category of like, this is just a part of what God designed um, that uh, we just can't understand. Um, I know that doesn't really answer your question, but maybe that category could bring some rest to that. And Does bet, anyone else have any thoughts? Yeah, I bet this room has
0: good answers to that question just as much as we would attempt to. So, uh, did I? Someone? Do we have uh, those questions yet? If there are questions? Okay. Well, that's okay. Okay. Um, yeah. tomorrow yeah so so all of this is all of how we live under the curse of the fall and basically cover ourselves with fig leaves to avoid real true intimacy so all of these are uh, warped mm-hmm. ways of relating
1: I think something that's helpful, too, would you think um, it's it's easier to see our depravity and our sin. It's a little harder to understand glory because it's pre-fall and we've never experienced it, and so that concept is foreign to us. Like, what would it be like to feel no shame and be naked and be fully known? Like, I, we can't conceive that, um, and yet that's what God originally intended, and so it's important to think about, um, but... To avoid this also is also to not, Christ is really small in your life if you're not willing to look at this stuff. Um, There's no need for Jesus if you don't see your sin. Um, I sat with a young man last week um, who's struggling with a pornography addiction, and he was weeping, saying, "Um, I've never seen the cross so big, Megan. Like, I've never known Jesus in this way in my whole life, and yet I've never been more embarrassed and more ashamed and more broken in my entire life. And um, we just cried for like almost an hour. It was (coughs) one of the best hours in my career um, to see him lean into sin, him lean into (coughs) the ways in which he would say, I relate to pornography, I hide in that because it makes me feel like I'm enough, but I'm not required of. My wife requires of me. But this pornography lets me feel like I'm enough, but it is so ill. Mm -hmm. And um, he just was, I mean, you could see it in his eyes. He saw the cross being so much bigger. Um, And so that is why we've spent the whole time, and we spent half the time talking about what God had intended. But we spent half this time on these really kind of harder conversation pieces. Because if if we're, people will ask me, why should I go to counseling? What's the point? The, the point is if, if our sin and our ways of relating become bigger, then only Christ then becomes bigger and only what God intended them becomes. That's the point. It's not to make you go home and feel bad about yourself or feel bad about your marriage or feel hopeless. Um, that is a tendency. Um, that makes sense. And if you're there, I'm I'm glad you're there. I, I, we'll walk through that. You'll walk through that, I promise. Um, but I'm glad you're there. Um and so I say that knowing we're leaving sort of heavy, right? Because we, like Bill, you said, like, are all these bad? I was like, yeah, they are, and that's hard. And we're leaving you with that, um, sort of like the Good Friday service. Um, it's dark, and yet um, Christ conquered this and gives us hope for experiencing this this side of heaven, not perfectly, but with beautiful longing. And if we're unwilling to lean into the longing. Then um, what an empty picture of marriage, and what an empty picture of how Christ loves His church. Um, so that sort of our, was intentional. So I'm sorry. That it's hard.
0: <laughs> yeah, let's do a few. Um, is there place? Is there a place on the quadrants that is better? Uh, in the same way that there's not one of these orientations of boy, 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 boy as being worse or better than the other. So the quadrants aren't better or worse, they just they are going to function very differently. Mm-hmm. They're all broken, they're all warped in the way that we relate. When you have one sinner combined with another center, you have a particular kind of sin struggle in your relationship. So no, they're all, they're all bad and even though the macho boy looks really really brutally bad, bad, bad there's a way that It's just coming out in a different way than, like, the little boy, and they're equally bad.
1: There's a tendency to look at the more intense emotion, the more intense, and to say that they're negative. Dan Allard actually says that the fourth quadrant, which Luke and I just owned, was kind of our old style of relating. He actually says that's the most stable marriage um, because at least they're fighting and at least there's passion. When a couple comes in to see me and one of them's dead, I am beyond concerned. Rather, when they come in screaming, I'm like, okay, we, we can work with this. You care. Um, the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is apathy. You don't care. Yeah. So don't get confused by the intensity of the anger or the intensity of the manipulation. Um, they're They're all equally styles of relating that are sinful. Yeah.
0: So once again, in case I forget to say this later, you have permission to be anywhere on this spectrum. You just don't have permission to stay there. Which axis would a person be who is a person who cuts? Well, that's really kind of too hard to answer. But um,
1: I would say they're on a. There's probably a likelihood that they're on the outside because there's some more intense behavior there—an intense expression of pain, yes. um, an intense expression of passion. Um, uh, you know cutting is done <coughs> two different ways you're doing it to feel something because you're so numb um, which numbness can be an, a, an intense emotion because it's mm-hmm. so silencing mm-hmm. um, or you're feeling so much and you need to see life and so you cut to see blood those are kind of the two yeah. main categories that we see people that cut yeah, so so I would I would say probably something on the outside, but I, I would want to ask more questions. Yeah, so if
0: you were looking at this diagram, there's a, in, a concentric circles. The inside circle encompasses the little uh, or uh, nice girl, nice boy, um, right in there, and then the the larger circle is what she's talking about. The further out from the center you get, is where the more extreme. Macho boy emotions, seductive boy, you know, those kind of things are. So that's that's kind of what she's alluding to. Yeah, one more question um, for you.
1: I mentioned that my response to the access can be, well, this is just who I am. How do you engage working on the bad qualities without trying to turn yourself into something you aren't? Um Whoever asked that question, I'm guessing, is experiencing a lot of shame, um, and I'm sorry. I think the who I am, there's a sense that we experience depravity is who we are. Um, we are depraved, and yet with the new identity of Christ, um, we have a new identity, and so it's, it's both, um, and so to me, it would be leaning into the who you think you are. Um, it would be being honest, inviting others in, um, not just your spouse. It would be being willing to talk about it um, and being curious and kind of digging in, and that's really painful, I promise. I've done a lot of it, um, and I get to do it with people a lot. So I would say that shame is what is kind of keeping you stuck, and so believe there sounds that there's a sense... Um, Trying to turn yourself into someone you aren't. Um, I don't want to make assumptions. If I was counseling this person, I'd say, tell me who you are then. Who's the person that you're not? Who are you believing that you are not? Um, who is that? Because you're saying there's these extremes. Help me understand. That's what I would say. Um, and if I would love to talk with you if that's something you'd like to talk about. Um, shame keeps us stuck. It is the most... I would say it's the most powerful emotion um, and the most powerful thing. Satan used it to trick us. So we cannot say that it's not powerful. <laughs> so um, I'm, an, I'm a tough girl, but I just cried in front of a group of 30 people, and I feel comfortable doing that. The Lord has been gracious to not always but gr- help redeem those parts of me. Tenderness um, is health for me. And um, at the same time, tenderness still makes me feel shame because I'm, like, kind of embarrassed a little bit, which I know is a lie. Um, so hopefully even this very natural and organic reflection of that would invite you to know, <coughs> yes, I have been tough girl. I have cursed at my husband, called him names. That that scene that we showed on Fireproof, I, was, I could put that girl to shame with the things that I've said to Luke. And yet, that is that is a part of who I am, as I've lived out my depravity. And yet, um, I know that's not who I am, because Christ is redeeming me, and the process of sanctification to glorification takes me out of that. So, I hope that was helpful.
0: Great. Well, how about I close us in prayer? Um, our emails are pretty easy to come by. If you don't have them, um, they're they're. I mean, we're on Facebook. Um, they're on the bulletins. Um, I'm sure you can find it. Email us if you have private questions you want answered by email, or you can indicate that, that it can be sort of thrown into the basket. That's that's sufficient, too. Let me pray for us. Father, um, you gave us marriage. You gave us uh, an institution that reflects the relationship that you have with us. Uh, you've talked about that throughout the Bible. Um And this is really, really hard. Um, The way that we live out of our insecurities and our fears and our doubts and ultimately our sin, it really handicaps our relationship with you and the world around us, certainly in our marriage. Um, Lord, I pray for these hearts. I pray that you would disrupt those who are too comfortable. I pray that you would comfort those who are disrupted. I pray that you would bring them all myself and Megan included, into a closer relationship with yourself um, where we're invited to take off the masks, where we're invited to lay down the facades and risk being known for who we truly are, knowing that our identity is not in our failures, it's not in our competencies, it's not in our 401k or our car, it's in Christ. And we can neither be loved more nor less than we are currently in Christ our Savior. So I pray for these marriages that you would bring much life and healing and growth and maturity to the individuals and also to the marriages for your glory forever. Amen.